There ain't got no way, ain't got no way I'm gonna make it without my Lord, no Ain't got no way I'm gonna make it without my Lord, no Ain't got no way I'm gonna make it without my Lord, no there ain't got no way, ain't got no way I'm gonna make time and I'm about to bring up his information so that I can tell you a bit about our guest before we actually officially introduce him to the screen and we can begin to get into a, a conversation that I'm sure will bring us much delight and many information. Okay, so the individual I'm about to introduce to you has a very colored and amazing background. He is an addiction, trauma, and recovery expert, certified hypnotherapist, author, entrepreneur. And it says that it was by no accident that John Giordano chose addiction treatment as his life's work. There's so many more I can tell you about this amazing individual, but I'm going to leave the rest up to him as we welcome John into our studio and into our broadcast. You can bring him up, Brother Dexter, as our honored guest at this time. There you go. Welcome to right. Breaking Out of Depression. How are you, John? I'm alive and above ground. Thank God. I'm good. Yes. Great. We 77. I'm just keep working. That's right. We love it. So we just want to remind those who are on whether you're on the radio app or you're on Facebook or you are on YouTube, you can ask questions, you can make comments, and we will do our best to respond because this is an interactive program. We want to be sure that the information that is so vital that's going to be shared with you makes a difference to you, brings value to you, brings inspiration, brings empowerment to you. And the only way we can know that is when we have communication. So the first thing that I want to get from John is looking at your life in terms of where you were about 35, 40 years ago and where you are now, there is two great periods of transition. And while we want to know about the wonderful things that would have happened to you along the way, what I really want to get to is how deep did you have to go personally as an individual to make dra drastic transition from a place of abuse and being involved in so much negativity to a place of ascendancy where now you can help many others who have suffered with the things that you yourself have suffered on. How deep, John, did you have to go to make that transition well i think what maybe you might want to consider me talking about is a little bit of my history and where i came from yep 
my family was a mafia type family. <laughs> my father was a heroin dealer. My uncle was a hitman. My grandfather was a Shylock. Those are people that loan you money. And if you don't pay, you'll pay one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I was an inner city kid. I only went to the ninth grade. My father went to jail when I was eight. I got molested when I was eight and a half by some boys in the neighborhood. Wow. I got molested when I was nine by my babysitter. She was 14. I was nine years old. I winded up in gangs, a black gang, Hispanic gang, Irish gang, Italian gang. Um, I think I was in every gang known to man. Hmm. Um, then my uncle, when I was 20, or before that, my, I got out of the gangs when I went into karate and karate actually really helped me discipline and focus myself. And, and the reason why I got into karate was I was with one of the gang members and we were driving by, I was uh, 14 and a half, he was 17. And um, I looked upstairs and I saw this karate school and I says, hey, let's see how tough the karate guy is. I don't suggest you do that, by the way. Okay. Anyway, I went, I went upstairs. It was, was um, a class going on and it was getting late and I had to go home because my father was out of jail by then. I, he got out of jail when I was 12. And otherwise I would have got hit with the belt when I walked into the house if I was a minute late. Yeah. So um, I, I came home and I asked my father, I wanted to join the karate class. So he says, well, I asked my mother and she says, no, no, you're going to get hurt. And my father said, no, he won't. He'll, he'll go. He'll be fine. And anyway, long story short, my mother had a lot to say, but my father talked him into it. And I wind up going into class and it wind up being a jujitsu class. You see back then, this was 1962. Uh, in order to get into uh, a martial art class, you had to be 15 years old. That's mm -hmm. exactly where I was in New York City. Okay. And um, we went to the class. It happened to be a jujitsu class. I didn't know the difference. And I got in the mat, and the, the teacher told us how to roll and how to fall. And then he put us in a circle. He was teaching us how to block a punch. So he asked for a volunteer. So I raised my hand. Right away, I stood up. He was talking to the class, and I decided to sneak punch him in the face. It's another thing I suggest you don't do. All I know is this. I wandered up from point A to point B. It was on the floor. I had a, a foot in my throat and a little round face looking down and smiling at me. I fell in love with the martial arts. I okay. took all that anger, all that stuff, and I put it into the martial arts which was completely different than it is today, by the way. Right. Um, so I did the martial arts. And then after that, you know, for years, I didn't use drugs. I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. And uh, I met this girl. I went to Florida. And um, my, we, got, we fell in love. We started doing drugs. I, I did LSD. was the first drug I ever did. Um, I did pot, I did uh, pills, I did opiates, I did, you name it, whatever felt good, I did. Uh, over the years, all at one time, by the way, this crept up slowly. And, you know, I used, the, one, I used, let's say, pot for a while, and I was using acid for a while. And over the years, it changed. That's how drug addiction works. Uh, I didn't realize I was traumatized. Uh, you know, I got left back in the sixth grade because I was a clown and I didn't pay attention. And uh, that was traumatizing. I didn't even realize it. You know, the kids and my my friends went to the seventh grade and 
I was the biggest kid in the sixth grade and people used to laugh and stuff like that. And, you know, I didn't realize all these things traumatized me. Wow. Wow. And uh, so my uncle threw my wedding when I was 20 and it was an interesting wedding. Um, you know, usually had the bride family on one side and then they had the grooms on the other side. Um, well, the bride, the woman that I married, she was Jewish and her family wanted her to marry a Jewish man. And I was Italian, of course. And, but they met my family. They fell in love with them. My family was great, but don't mess with them. That's all, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so on one side of the, the, the they what the her family, they were lawyers. Her father was a lawyer. Her mother was the head of the PTA and nice Jewish family with doctors and, and, and you know, and all this other kind of stuff. And, on my side of the family were racketeers and guys with guns and all kinds of nefarious kind of people. So the caterer insulted my uncle in front of the family. So he killed him the next morning. Wow. And I had to go, we had to arrest my bride and myself. We had to go and leave town real quick because the police were coming to my grandmother's house where the, my new family was. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. So that was another kind of trauma. And as time went on, um, we started getting heavier and heavier into drugs and alcohol and all the craziness. But yet, I was doing a lot of good stuff too. Now, you have to understand, a lot of you out there who do drugs, I, I'm in recovery now uh, 39 years. I didn't think I would get 39 minutes, but I got 39 years. And drug addiction doesn't start off right away. And there's other addictions that people don't even realize they have, such as eating disorders, compulsive overeaters, bulimic, anorexic people. Bulimia is people that eat and throw up. Uh, to make it simple, anorexic people that don't eat, they get really thin and they get sick and they could die. Um, then you have sex addiction, you have uh, work addiction, uh, gambling addiction. And most people say, well, how do I know I'm an addict? I, I make it simple for people. The way you know is simple. If you continue to use a substance or a behavior in spite of adverse consequences, maybe you need to take a look at that. Mm. I make it simple for people. Hey, look, man, if you're drinking, you're getting DUIs, you're fighting with your family, uh, you're getting divorced because you're drinking, you're blackout, you can't find your car and uh, the Maybe you have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, I went to treatment. I, I didn't believe in it. They, my family did an intervention on me. I told you my family was uh, my the, the people that did the invention were drug dealers, and, <laughs> and it was kind of crazy. I'm saying, who's doing an intervention on them? But anyway, an intervention is when family members and friends get a hold of you and tell you that you're really going off the deep end and you have to get help. So my mother said, she'll never talk to me again, which my mother wasn't like that. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll take a break. I didn't go to treatment to get well because I wasn't sick as far as I was concerned. Yeah. I went to get people off my back. Well, like some people do. Yeah. All right. And I went to take a rest. But anyway, I had some Coke in my sock uh, before I went upstairs to the hospital room. I went to the bathroom, did a couple of hits, and then here I am going up to get treatment. Uh, I didn't even know what treatment was. I didn't even know what therapy was. I never heard of this stuff before. I'm a street kid. What do I know about that stuff? 
um, I went to group and they said to me, uh, you got to share your emotions and your feelings. They says, I, mean, I wouldn't even get high with you people. What do you mean share? All right. I was angry. Uh, I felt lost. I had a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And um, what happened was after a while that I kept leaving, I never, I never unpacked my suitcase. I used to pull my clothes out of the suitcase, whatever I was wearing. And what happened eventually, it started to clear up. I started to realize how I was hurting myself and everybody else in my family that loved me. And uh, I, I became an inhuman human. Now, a little bit of my history, I always said I wouldn't be like my family. I turned out just like my family. I used to do collection work for the smugglers. I used to do, uh, uh, I used to teach one of the cartels bodyguards down in Colombia, martial arts, because I'm also a martial artist, a grandmaster, black belt hall of fame. I don't know how many times national karate champion, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, John, I just want to stop you here for a minute if I can. Sure. Um, I know you're on a roll, but I have a, a comment that I want you to take note of, uh, which means that your message is beginning to resonate with the people. Gracie Vincent says, you have been through a lot, but you made it. Praises. I know that you are basically scratching the surface, but you said that you realize that you are very angry and that you were hurting yourself and you had to do something different. What was that emotional feeling like for you, John? And I know you know where this question is coming from because you are a coach yourself. How can you describe that point in your life when you made that decision, you had to do better? People need to know what it takes to get to that point. Okay, so here's the deal, okay? The way I got to that point is I had a spiritual awakening. Uh-huh. Ah, spirituality is the foundation of any recovery. Not religion, spirituality. Spirituality. Learn to be kind instead of right. Don't do your best not to lie, cheat or steal, or hurt yourself or other people. Reach out, help people less fortunate to you. That type of thing. And what happened to me was Christmas time. Uh, I went to the treatment December 4th, and we, I wanted to go home uh, for Christmas Eve and spend it with my kids and my, my wife. I didn't want to spend it in a hospital. Well, actually, I was lying. I wanted to go home and get drugs because my friends would come over and give me a Christmas card with drugs in it. Wow. So I went to the therapist and said I wanted to go home. They said, no, you can't. I got crazy. Now, I don't know about anybody else out there, okay, but I didn't just get angry. I got rageful. I punched the door of my room. I walked in. And I remember my therapist saying to me, hey, John, do you ever play, pray on your knees? I said, look, I'm a recovering Catholic. I got calluses on my knees. That's all, is, all we did was pray on our knees. He said, no, how about humility? I said, why, you think God doesn't listen? If I'm, how about if I'm in the closet? You think God, I was angry at God. I was angry at everybody. Hmm. So I said, all of a sudden, I was in so much pain and so much anger, all right? I said, you know, I got to get out of this. And, and and what I did was I tried to get my knee down. I know this sounds ridiculous to some. My knee wouldn't go down. Wow. I actually had to push it down. Wow. And I had to push my other knee down. And I didn't know what the heck was going on. Mm. All right. And then I said, I don't know if it's God, energy, aliens, whatever's out there. Please take this away from me and I'll do whatever you want. But let me tell you something. My anger, my rage disappeared like it never, ever was there. 
Wow. I couldn't believe it. I got so crazy, I tried to bring it back. Mm. And it was gone. Wow. And that's where I changed. I got a God of my understanding. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, they took us to a meeting. And and a guy said to me, because I used to yell at, I said, I don't want to hear about God. I had to go to meetings to get a new religion. I was one of those. So the guy, one of the old timers came up and said, John, how about G-O-D? I said, look, man, I know how to spell. He said, no, 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 no. How about good, orderly, direction? I said, I can do that. And that was my God for two years. Now my God is a whole different ballgame. Okay. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And, and thank you for sharing, John. I want to focus on your career a bit because you have done some amazing stuff. You started a clinic and you sold it later on for a whole lot of money. Well, How did you? Another... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you gotta... It didn't start there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I'm going to let me just give you a, a, what happened. Right. Okay. First of all, I only went to the ninth grade. Uh-huh. Right. I got a GED when I when I went when I got out of treatment. I went back to school. I got a GED, you know, and I got all my certifications. I got all this other kind of stuff, and I um, I wrote a um, I wanted to give back. I wanted to help God's kids. I really got in touch with my spirituality, my soul, and see, addicts are soulless. Mm-hmm. We walk around like drones. You know, just not caring about anything, not going, just going from job to job or working a, a, a job and just not not connecting with one's higher self. Yeah. And um, I got connected, all right? And I had a lot of work to do because behaviors take years to work through. But I, I was on that path. And um, so my um, I got divorced. And my wife took everything. I gave her everything. I winded up homeless. Wow. And I had no car. I had no money. I had no job. Because my job was selling drugs and doing collection work. So now I couldn't do that anymore. I was in recovery. Right. So I, uh, I, my friend owned a hotel and he gave me a room for nothing. And I had a bicycle somebody loaned me. I had a jar where I used to put my quarters in when I had quarters. And I was teaching karate and, you know, to make, you know, for food, you know. And uh, I had an idea to open up a treatment center. That was my first mm-hmm. treatment center, by the way. And okay. it was with my okay. therapist and with my doctor. So my the, my friend asked me, how, John, how much do you need? Uh, I said, I got this famous doctor who wants to open up a treatment center. I lied. I didn't, I didn't even talk to him. It was my doctor. I never even said anything to him. Uh-huh. So he says to me, well, if you got him, how much money do you need to open up a treatment center? What did I know about how much money? To, I, I only thing I know about treatment, I was in one. Right. So I came up with a number, 250000 He said, if you got that doctor, I'll give you the money. <laughs> oh, okay. So I went into the doctor's office. I says, hey, I says, would you like to open up a treatment center? I got a quarter of a million dollars. So he was a comedian. Like He said, you know, I was just thinking about that, John. So long story short. I hired my therapist who helped save my life, my doctor and other people that were in my life uh, in, in the treatment business. And we were packed. I was in heaven. I went back to school. We, my friend got us a floor of a hospital. I could not believe with 14 months clean, 
uh, and I was so insecure because I couldn't spell very well. I, my grammar was not that great. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, it was like pretty wild. But anyway, what happened was my my therapist got, didn't like the fact that his client was his boss. Mm. I wasn't his ah, boss. I was right. so happy yeah. to give back to him. Yeah. And we couldn't make payroll. And we <laughs> were packed. And we were packed. Wow. Right? So I said, my friend that put the money up said, they're stealing. I oh. said, never happened. Now, I'm a street kid. I became sober to get stupid. All yeah. right? No, man. They don't. They couldn't do that. They're in recovery. Bah, bah, bah. So he says, they're stealing. So wow. I went into the doctor's office. Are you stealing? And he put his head down. And he had a sex addiction. He only had three years clean. This is really not a long time. It's a long time, but it's not a long time. Yeah. And uh, he was buying girls' apartments. He was buying hookers. And, but what happened was they, the, the therapist tried to blame my friend, who never even was able to even get into the bank account. And anyway, long story short, they took the treatment out from under me. They said, if you don't give up your, your piece of the treatment center, we're just going to open up another corporation and you're going to have nothing. And your friend's going to lose his money. So I, I, I had to do that. And... I signed over the company. They gave him the accounts receivables and they gave me the outpatient program. And I don't even play, see, I, I got 300 hours of education and ejection treatment, but I needed 6,000 hours of supervision. So I had to stay there. Otherwise, where else was I going to go? So I had to swallow my pride, my ego, and stay there knowing that they were making millions of dollars and all I was making was a salary. But I was grateful that I even had. You know, in spite, I had to overcome my anger. I kept going to therapy. I, I did everything I could to stay focused on my goal was to learn everything about that business, to become a therapist and help people and myself. Yeah. And um, what wound up happening was after I got my hours and everything like that, um, I told my uncle what they did to me. And I told him, you know, he was going to come down and kill him. Wow. And I, I just grabbed myself and I said, no, just before it happened, and I said, no, I can't do that. I'm in recovery. I told them not to come and I'll work it out. And they, they worked it out with me, which wasn't really true. But so after the 6,000 hours that I got, I walked into this guy's office and I just couldn't take it anymore. I closed the door and they were supposed to give me a contract and never gave me. I said, look, I'm going to rearrange your face. No surgeon can ever fix this face when I get done. Then I'm calling my uncle, who they knew because he had a crack addiction, and we put him in treatment. And what the funny part was, he was in, in group, and the facilitator came running out to my office and said, your uncle, your uncle. I said, what did he do? He said, nothing. He, he's telling everybody all the people he killed. Wow. So I told you what he does for a living. You know, they thought it was making it up. Okay. Uh -huh. So anyway, I told him he's going to get my uncle, and he's going to blow his knees off. So now he's not going to be able to walk anymore. So within an hour and a half, I had my contract. And I left there in three months. So I didn't have a lawyer when I did this. Now, the next program I went to, same friend got me another guy. Long story short, he put up the, uh, he put up the money, this other guy. I opened up the treatment center. I didn't have a lawyer again. I'm a street kid. You mess with me. I punch you in the face. All right? Now I don't do that anymore. So, But I didn't get a lawyer. 
What happened a year later, I built the treatment center up because of all the things I learned over the years. I got the treatment center taken out from under me again. And he said, well, read your contract. And I was going to throw him through the window, if I'll be honest with you. Wow. And I just took a swallow and emptied out my desk and went to the parking lot, sat on the hood of my car and cried. Wow. <laughs> and, and I said, I can't believe this happened to me again. And it was my fault, not yeah. their fault, my fault. Yeah. See, you learn in recovery to take responsibility for your mm. part of the What they did is on their side. And I got to look at what I did or didn't do rather. Yeah. Uh, then I, I was a, uh, a, a, a director for an indigent facility. It was a 55 bed homeless people, people with HIV, people that have mental health issues and substance abuse. But I couldn't stay there any longer either because it was an old therapeutic community where they beat you up and they put you in the middle of the room, they tear you down and then build you back up. Uh, it was crazy. So that wasn't my style of treatment anyway. And uh, sooner or later, I opened up this treatment center, this little outpatient thing that this woman I was going with said, why don't you open it up? I said, no, 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 I don't want that. And I had a spending addiction. So the money I made from the contract that they gave me, which was $80,000, and being I had a spending addiction, that went real quick. So I had about $300 in my bank account. My friend owned this little 750 square foot building. And I says, all right, how much for the rent? He said, how much you got? I said, I got $300. He said, tell you what, run it for a couple of months, get some money and pay me the 300 a month. So I said, okay. So that's what I did. Then I had a friend of mine. He became my partner. Um, I, I wasn't into business. I was just into helping people. And he used to say, well, let me see what books. So he laughed. I laughed. And I said, well, how do you know who pays you? I said, well, they give me the money. I put it in my pocket. And they're going to pay me. He said, they're addicts. They're not going to pay you. So I said, well, I don't care. As long as I have enough money to pay the rent and, and do you know what I have to do for myself, I'm good. But anyway, as time went on, we got his son. We had creditors chasing us. I mean, it was crazy. All right? We, we gave people free treatment. when we, we couldn't even make payroll sometimes. Anyway, years later, okay, in 2012, we winded up with 147 employees, seven buildings, and we sold it for $45 million. Wow. Now, if you would have told me that, I would have choked you. Yeah. You're really making a fool of me. Yeah, because it would have been hard to believe. Yeah, the, the amazing thing about your story, John, and it's not a story, it's, it's your real life, it's an account. I have heard so many different dimensions about the things that you went through. And I am still wondering, where did you get the resilience to keep a sane mind and to recover to the point where you actually were able to go over the same thing again and again and again and still remain focused, still continue with your goal and eventually sell it for $45 million. If I what make, kind let, of let me yeah. read. Let me read from my book that I wrote, my life story. I was going to get to that shortly, but go ahead. Okay. This is for your audience. The name of the book is The Kid from the South Bronx Who Never Gave Up. Here is my roadmap for positive change. There is one thing in this world, one special lesson, one constant that has guided me through the turbulent waters of life. 
this infinite rule, which most people know but ignore, or who simply do not follow their life lessons. That is, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, the obstacles, the people that get in our way, or things that slow us down, follow this one simple rule. Never give up on your dreams. Never let go of your passions. And especially, never give up on yourself or a God of your understanding. My name is John Giordano, and I'm a recovering addict who turned $300 into $45 million. I was blessed to become extremely successful, and I'd like to share my story with you. This is how my life was transformed and how I was saved from falling into the abyss of hell. And by following this one rule and learning how to have a life worth living. <laughs> Amazing. 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 But so we have, interesting, yeah. what we're not talking about, even while I was using, uh -huh. okay, I did a lot of things. I did eight plays in the theater performing arts. I wrote it, produced it, directed it and acted in it. It was Kabuki theater. I, uh, through the James Brown concert, uh, what I did was I helped revitalize Liberty City in Overtown. That was uh, in the community, the black community. Mm -hmm. uh, it was where after the riots, nobody wanted to go into that community. They were afraid to shop, right? So what I did was uh, my, one of my students owned this giant flea market and had this giant parking lot. As far as your eye can see, you can park cars. And um, he wanted a, a grand opening like no other. And um, my friend knew James Brown. And he introduced me to James and we became friends. And um, what I did was I created a theme for the flea market. I went to the SBA people, Small Business Association. And what we did is we taught people in the community how to, to start a business, how to run a business, how to buy wholesale, how to do all that stuff. I went to all the churches. I was dancing in the churches and, and all the deacons and everybody. Uh, and then what we did is we... I sent a letter, everybody laughed at me. So this is what, for all of you out there, never give up on whatever your ideas are, by the way. Yes. I sent a letter to the White House asking President Reagan to come to the grand opening of our flea market. Everybody laughed at me. Well, guess what? I got a letter back from the White House. It's in the book. And it says, due to the president's schedule, he couldn't make it, but sending a representative. They sent Carrie Meeks and Senator Meeks, you guys know, and she was the head of uh, the state of Florida back then. Then she became a senator. Anyway, they really check you out thoroughly. They went to the Martin Luther King Foundation and found out what I was doing in the community. And they presented me in front of 60,000 people, the Martin Luther King Award on stage. Wow. wow. And this is, well, really what I was using. Mm, my gosh. So oh, I, I, I did a lot wow. of stuff. If, if the guys want, anybody wants, they can go to John, the letter J, Giordano.com, and they can see James Brown. You can see the crowd as far as your eyes can see in every direction. You know, I, I, I know people don't believe anything you say, so I put the stuff up there so they can see for themselves, the letter and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I have another comment from Gracie. And if, if our producer can put it up there, trust me, you can be anything you want to be 
you are the one to make the change no one can do it for you blessings to you bro true life story i i wish i hope that so many people more would actually listen to your story john because it's an amazing way in which they can gauge their lives thinking why did i think that i had a tough life why did i think that i had so much depression and anxiety to deal with and look what this man has been through and look where he is now look what he was able to accomplish if john can do it then we can do it as well so what i want to do now is ask our producer to put up the thought for the week because i think it it sort of aligns itself with the team that we have been working on dealing with your story and your information it's a whole lot more knowledge that we are having the team or the thought for the week rather is let the joy of life permeate the beauty of our existence as we navigate the destiny of hope and courage without fail i want to repeat that let the joy of life permeate the beauty of our existence as we navigate the destiny of hope and courage without fail one of the things that i want you to share with us john is what advice would you give to people who found themselves with one level of addiction or the other usually when people hear about addiction they think about drugs but as you mentioned before we can be addicted to so many different things and usually it's a case of some level of depression or some level of imbalance in our equilibrium that takes place what basic advice would you give to people that they can deal and manage themselves better to overcome any level of addiction what are the basic principles that they need to understand about the recovery okay. process what i what i'd like to share with your audience is something that treatment centers do not do yeah treatment centers are 70 years behind the times hmm. now it's better that you go to treatment because if you stay out there you're gonna wind up dying yeah okay i wind up in jail uh you know i get people say well you don't understand uh, i'm from the community i'm black and i got it harder than anybody else i say yeah you do i said but i got 200 black belts that are national world karate champions some you know and some of my students okay in the community uh they were police officers. They became lawyers, doctors. Uh, they went to prison. Some died. You know, it all depends where you want to go. You know, when I go to group with a bunch of addicts, they go, but you don't understand what my what my family's like and what I've been through. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll loan you my family for a while, okay? And I'll tell you what I've been through and see if how we match up. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter all that. That's your lessons, Okay. If you've been through all that, it means you have to, you're strong enough to deal with anything. Yeah. And, you know, and what the problem is, what, how do you help people now? People yeah. are going to say to you, all right, I got depression and anxiety. I've been to doctors. They gave me medicine. It didn't work. I, wanted, I, I don't want to get out of bed. I want to hide under the blanket. Uh, I, I can't work. I'm, anxious, I'm so anxious that I don't know what to do with myself. There are a lot of medical conditions that cause depression and anxiety that people are not talking about. If you have a low thyroid, you're going to have depression and anxiety. And look, don't believe a word I tell you. Okay. Go check it out for yourself. Okay. <laughs> wow. I always tell people that don't believe anything. I tell you, go check it out. If you have leaky gut syndrome, 
H. pylori infection. Those are gut issues, all right? Hyperglycemia, all right? If you have uh, uh, heavy metal toxicity, which interferes with neurotransmission, closed head injuries, all right? Can cause depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation and behavioral problems. Right. All right. If you have low testosterone uh-huh. or high testosterone, you're going to have depression and anxiety. Wow. So your diet, okay? Exercise, prayer, meditation, go to therapy. If you can't afford a therapy, go to meetings, 12 step, get a sponsor and work those steps, go to church, whatever it takes. Don't hang out in the corner, okay? And hang out with all your bros out there that are doing the same stuff that you're doing, all right? Otherwise, you know, it's like, it's like going staying in a, in, in a barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a haircut, wow. all right? You can't hang out with the same people that you're doing your, your, your things with, man. You gotta take on new friends. If you wanna know what somebody's like, look at who they hang out with. Hmm. Yeah. Birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> wow. So I, I want to play here for you um, a video, and then we're going to look at another comment. And I want to get your feedback on this video, John. So take a look. Here we go. I want to help people. And I wanted to realize, you know, in, in the back of the book, I, I wrote something. And here's what I wrote. The kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. Here's my roadmap for positive change. There is one thing in the world, one special lesson, one constant that has guided me to the permanent waters of life. This infinite rule, which most people know but ignore, who simply do not follow their life lessons. That is, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, the obstacles, the people that get in your way, or things that slow you down, follow this one simple rule. Never give up on your dreams, never let go of your passions, and especially never give up on yourself or God of your understanding. <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> I just had to repeat that one more time, John, because I thought it was so powerful because people are giving up all over the place. People are giving up in church. People are giving up at work. People are giving up in politics. People are giving up all over the place. People are not willing to invest in anything that is a virtue anymore. We are falling apart by the seams because we are focusing so much on things materialistic, rather than spiritual, rather than having the vision. I mean, even the scriptures tell us, my people perish for lack of a vision. So what would you further emphasize that people focus on that they can have a better fulfilling life, particularly from a spirit-based situation, from a spirit-based foundation, and then understanding that they must have goals visions and dreams for their life well you know that's really an easy question <laughs> all right and i'm going to tell you why i say it's easy it's an inside job not an outside job mm -hmm. and if you don't believe me go to a funeral look in the hole let me see if you know any see any cars any women down there 
uh, any jewelry. Uh, you can't take none of this stuff with you, man. All right. And, and the bottom line is if you want to have a good life, it doesn't matter. Look, I've been homeless a couple of times. I lived at my karate school in my dressing room. I mean, look, guys, all right, you can be happy wherever you are. It's your state of mind. And, you know, if you have a God of your understanding and you realize that if you start thinking negatively, you're going to attract negative energy. You hang out with negative people, you're going to have negative consequences. You have to take custody of your thoughts, take custody of your eyes, take custody of your speech, and take custody of your actions if you want to have a life worth living. In other words, take responsibility for you. Stop blaming everybody else for whatever's going on in your life. Who chose that person? What did you do in response to that person's actions? How did you wind up there? What were you looking for? Can't blame anybody else. Yeah. So it's an inside job, guys and ladies. So focus on spirituality and becoming a better human being. And you'll attract that energy into your life. I mean, here's a kid from the South Bronx who went to the ninth grade. They're like, I'm in 80 medical and scientific peer reviewed journals. I write books. I lectured all over the world. I lectured to almost 100 countries. I'm not telling you that to, to say, oh, what a great guy I am. I'm telling you that so you can do anything if you put your mind to it and do the work. There ain't no free lunch, baby. I, I like you telling it like it is. John, I want you to tell us about your experience when you provide counseling and, and trauma recovery services to law enforcement officers, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan war veterans, and also being the chaplain or the spiritual officer of the North Miami Police Department. I know that's a lot, but kind of unwind it for us, please. Well, I have a technique. There's a technique called EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization yeah. Reprocessing. Yeah. I redeveloped it. Since I have a master's in neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, uh, holotropic breathing, uh, and what I did is I put all those modalities together with the EMDR, and EMDR for people who don't understand it, um, it's eye-hand movement. You move your hand in front of people's eyes in different positions. You have them focus on, I have them focus on the emotions that these traumas elicit. And it, to make it unscientific and simplistic, it creates what I believe is electrical storm in the brain. And what happens is, see, um, trauma is a closed circuit. Okay, this opens that circuit and disperses the information throughout the brain and separates the emotional view of the world. And now you're looking at it intellectually, no longer just emotionally. Because you know, when you look at things emotionally, you get caught up in all those emotions and all those feelings and all of that stuff. All right. So what I do is I do this technique on them. All right. And within 20 minutes, a half hour, believe it or not, I get rid of their trauma. And I know it sounds stupid. I know it sounds impossible, but nothing's impossible. The only difference is it's not in your view of your world. It's not in your experience. So you don't know it exists, mm. but it does exist. Now yeah. that's what psychedelics go for. Psychedelics 
See, talk therapy deals with the software of the brain. Psychedelics, EMDR, all of these type of technologies deal with the hard drive. Now, if you know, if you erase something on your computer, and let's say the cops come into your house, the first thing they do is take your hard drive. They don't care about your computer. Your hard drive is your subconscious. Yeah. All right? That's the driver of everything. And usually, if, you, if you're really doing therapy for a while, you get to notice the adult you is not doing uh running the show it's the little you it's that kid inside that's been damaged all these years that runs the show <laughs> so you got to take a handle on that little guy it's called inner child work all right and that little guy is traumatized and your view of the world changes okay by his traumas or her traumas so i work with the little guy and the little girl in there to help that little one to know that it's loved, that it's okay, that it's not their fault, and to help them move on with their mindset. Most people don't understand that we're a whole unit. We're not just, we're integrated. We're not just sections. We're not just a head or not just a body. You know, there's a spirit and there's a soul and there's energy that we put out. And that energy attracts other energy. And all I can tell you is this. Here I am. I'm an author. I'm all the, I mean, I never in a million years thought that would happen. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you guys. I, if I heard me talking, I go, this guy's full of baloney. Okay? Because how could somebody do all that? I don't even know how I did all that. But then again, I'm 77. When you stick around long enough, you know, if you keep on going on this journey, you wind up doing a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And certainly you have done an amazing amount from where you were to where you are today. So we, we just want to commend you. I want to put up another comment that was said by Gracie. And this one kind of goes home to her situation because we were dealing with helping her with her son, whom, you know, has been struggling with stuff for a while. She says, my son was an addict and also mental. He have made it through, but he still smokes. Uh, Andy, that is me, Scott, and Wendell Paris, my former co-host, they were his mentor for a while. We were working with him for a while. I have to thank God where he is now, and she's still watching him. What would you say to her, John? What is there? Still smoking pot? I'm not sure if it's pot or cigarettes he's still smoking. I'm not sure. Okay. Never push anybody to do anything. Because if we push them to the left, they're going to go to the right. So I, when, I, when I used to teach people, about, I used to smoke cigarettes too, 38 years ago, I quit. Almost 39 years ago, matter of fact. Uh, I was riding in a car when I just got out of treatment. I was smoking a cigarette and my kids said, Dad, we don't want you to die from drugs, but now you're going to die from cigarettes. I took the cigarettes and I threw them out the window and I chewed some Nicorette gum for a couple of days and I quit. When you look at your lungs and you look at a lung, how black it is and the cancer and all of that. I just had cancer about a year and a half ago in my throat. I had a, 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 a virus called HPV. And well, I, I'm one of the leading experts on alternative medicine also. And they operated and then I did all, I didn't do any radiation and I got rid of it. <laughs> I just wow. had an operation eight weeks ago. I have 14 screws in my neck. 
I got two rods going down my neck and I had 43 staples in my neck and my back. My doctor could not believe how well I healed hmm. in such a short time. I'm talking about seven, 14 days, 17 days. He was like, this is impossible. Oh yeah, See, so she just, she just put it up there. Siga, still weed, but lessened down a lot. But what? But lessened down a lot. He lessened, he, he didn't do as much? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like taking a little poison, but not a lot of poison. First of all, pot is a fat soluble drug it resides in the fat tissue of your brain, which is mostly fat, and in your body. If he smokes one joint a week, okay, so every week he smokes a joint, by the second week he's got two joints in his body because it has a long half-life. Wow. People don't know. Now, you may not feel the effects, okay? Now, CBD is another story. If you're, if you're suffering from different things, CBD is fine, in my opinion. You don't get high from it, okay? Nothing like that. It helps with inflammation, helps with pain, helps with a lot of stuff. But once you start doing with the cannabinoids and all this other stuff with marijuana, now if you're a cancer uh, victim or you have something like that and you really have a serious medical condition, marijuana can help you. But it's all in your intention. If it's intention to check out of the planet for a while, I want to take a break from life. Uh, you know, I just want to feel a little relaxed. Uh, that's a different story. So it's all like anything with a psycho, psychedelic drug, uh, psychotropic drug, it's your intention. Now, some people, listen, you, you can't keep doing these drugs. They're, 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 they're a plant medicine like Ibogaine and Ayahuasca and Mescaline and Peyote and, and all these different substance that have been used for thousands of years in religious rites, okay? They were meant for for a rite of passage, okay? Not to be meant to party with and, and get high with on the weekends. This is not an all-time trip, okay? This is a journey that you take and then you do the work. People don't want to do the work. They want to take a pill and get rid of this. They want to do a drug and get rid of that. No. You have to do the work, all right? So if you don't want to do the work, then you're going to get what you always got, whatever that is. Yeah. And remember, no decision is a decision. Yeah. So if you say you're going to quit and you're not going to quit and you you didn't make a decision, you already made a decision. Right, right. Hmm. Wow. So I I want you to tell us a bit about the holistic aspect of the alternative medicines that you have personally used and how important it is for people to get that information rather than just filling out a prescription and going to the drugstore. What's the difference? Unfortunate, unfo- good question, but unfortunately, uh-huh. if you don't have money, yeah, a lot of this stuff is very hard to do. Wow. Okay. And you know, we don't look at, at, at the poor like we look at it, like we need to look at the poor. We don't even look at the wealthy like we need to look at the wealthy because most people don't know what I'm telling I'm gonna tell you. Hyperbaric medicine, that is oxygen under pressure. Okay, they use it, it, it was originally founded for the bends, 
That's where you get nitric oxide in your blood. The divers go deep down in the ocean. They got to come back up. They put them in a tank and they got to restabilize their blood and everything in their body. Then they found out that it heals wounds. Now I work with a Dr. Paul Harch. He's one of my mentors. He's the, the neuroscientist and researcher that went to the Senate, him and Dr. Williamson, and got them to prove wound healing for the diabetics in the VA because they were cutting everybody's legs and arms off because gangrene sets in, they can't, they can't heal it, and they cut. So with hyperbarics, it heals these wounds. Wow. But now they found out that it also heals TBI cases called traumatic brain injury cases. Okay? And who's going to... I've been doing hyperbaric medicine for about 20 years for addiction. Now, who is going to argue with me that drugs and alcohol does not, or listen, does not damage the brain? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. So what are we doing? Here? Talking to it? Tell you what, get a nice serious cut in your arm and talk to it. Let me know how you do. Hmm. So hyperbaric medicine also is good for stroke victims. It's also good for tumors. It's also good for a lot of things. Okay. These are all off-label. They call it off-label. Now, there's research on it. Not a ton of research, but there's a lot of research. And remember, the pharmaceutical companies don't want you to get well. They want you to keep going because you were walking cash registers for them. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And these medicines, some of, I'm not against anything that works, by the way. So I'm not telling anybody, stop your meds, stop this. Stop. No. If it's working for you, go do it, okay? I work real simple with people, all right? But the bottom line is there's also alternatives. So you want to talk for, you want to look at the, le the least harmful alternative to help you. Your gut, there's more neurons in your gut than in your brain. Go look it up, guys. Don't believe me. Look it up, okay? Serotonin and dopamine, those are your feel-good drugs that we manufacture naturally. That's what addicts chase. Yeah. Serotonin and dopamine, those are the feel-good chemicals that we produce naturally. Now, when you have the gene, which I work, also work with Dr. Kenneth Blum, he's the geneticist who found the main addiction gene. There is addiction gene, by the way. Look it up. Mm. Okay. It's the GRD2ALE1 variant gene. Now, look at this. A kid from the South Bronx is talking all this stuff. I mean, this is like crazy, right? But anyway, <laughs> so what you have to look at, just because you have the gene doesn't mean you're going to be an addict, but it means you uh, are scheduled to become one. I'll put it to you that way, okay? Wow. But there's such a thing as epigenetics. Now, epigenetics means the social environment can change the gene expression. Mm. Okay. You don't hang out with drug addicts and you don't do drugs around people. People are not doing right to that. Outside influences how those genes work. So there's a lot of things that, that, that you can do to help yourself, even if you don't have a lot of money. You have to take care of your gut. Processed food, breads and, uh, 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 and pastas that are all processed. You know, you can use vegetable process, you know, pasta is good. Okay, uh, um, sugars, uh, candies, chocolates. The African-American community has 
high blood pressure, diabetes. The Native Americans, high blood pressure and diabetes. Okay, obesity. All of these things is because of not only our genes, it's because of our diet. Now, it's real simple stuff, guys. Okay, if you eat garbage, you turn to garbage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the bottom line is this is real simple stuff. People say, well, it's food, it's fuel. It's okay, if you have a gasoline car, if you have a car, go put diesel fuel in your gasoline car. Let me know how it works. Right. It's fuel, yeah. but it's the wrong one. That's right. So you got to be where, look, if you eat at Wendy's, instead of choosing a chemical burger, which is not a real burger, it's a chemical burger, they have salads. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to eat a salad, man. I like meat. Well, go eat grass-fed meat. Don't eat grass-fed garbage. It's choices. Big difference. All right. All your choices. Water. You have to learn to drink water. Filtered water, not the garbage we buy in a bottle, which is plastic and PBs it has in it and chemicals. And I just found, I don't know how many thousands of bits of floating plastic in our waters, in our water. <laughs> wow. I mean, look, unfortunately, our country in the United States is totally became an addictive society. And what does that mean? They're addicted to money, power, and control. They're, and the addiction model is simple. It's short-term success and long-term failure. Hmm. You get high, you get off, and you love it, and then your life turns to garbage. Long-term. So make better choices, people. Yeah. I just want folks to know that the many things that you're seeing, John, it is not because you have a mouth and you can speak, but you are internationally certified. The doctor, the DR didn't come uh, overnight or by some honorable position. You worked your tail off, actually, to and achieve I'm not it. Perfect. I don't say I do everything perfect either. No, of course not. Okay. Of course not. So the only perfect I know is the God of my understanding. Yeah. Me, I'm a soldier. I want folks to know that you're also involved with, uh, actually, you got a doctor of human letters from Sinai University in Jerusalem, Israel. Yeah, so you, you've been an doctor for the yeah. work in the communities. Yeah. And the so homeless been, award. I got all that uh -huh. kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. You've been all over the map, John. <laughs> yeah, you know, life's exciting, man, if you make it exciting. When people say they're bored, that's because they're boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they don't do choice. anything. Yeah, it's a choice. You want to sit home and watch television? Okay. Nothing wrong with it, but do something with your life. You know what? We have a very selfish society. Give back and you'll get back. But don't give back to try to get back. Just give it freely. Right. Give it from your heart. And, and when you're thinking that you're so bad, you know what people say to me, well, you know, my life stinks. I only I live in this little apartment. I'm going to take you around the world with me, and I'm going to show you what a little apartment is like a gold mine for somebody. Yeah, exactly. We have so much to be thankful for, and we don't know how to give thanks. That's right. I'm going I to share something else. Yeah, I'm going to I share something else with you. 
and I hope that I can get it up. Wow. Okay, so I'm not getting the opportunity to share. Okay, go ahead, John. Get your point out. Okay. When I look at life, my life, is that the God of my understanding gave me a gift of life. It's what I do with that life is my gift back to the creator. Yeah, that's right. So what kind of gift do you are you giving back? Is what yeah. you need to look at. Yeah. And uh, look, there's, uh -huh. no, there's no failures in life. I want you to understand that. They're only lessons. There's no yeah. failures, only lessons. Yeah, yeah. You learn more from your mistakes than you learn from your successes. So true. So true. <laughs> you know, um, I basically have a different spin on it. I, I would I would treat it like it's it's a business statement, but what I normally tell folks is that we have been placed here because we have been made an investment by the creator. God placed us here with so many different things within us that are so valuable and vital to the sustenance of life here on earth. And a lot of the times we don't realize that we have to figure out things for ourselves. That's right. You give us the material and we have to find a way to work with that material. But we can't do it by sitting down and waiting for something to happen or waiting for somebody else to move or waiting for the right time. We have to make those proactive movements ourselves. And what we have to realize is that when we reinvest in ourselves and do the things that God designed us to do and we find that purpose in our lives, we litigate, mitigate, insulate ourselves against becoming victims of depression, anxiety, and all the other negative stuff. Because what we are actually doing is we are giving a return on the investment that God has made by putting us here. And I know that is what John means by the Absolutely. statement. Absolutely. I like that. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share it with you. That's all right. So we're coming on to the end of the program, John. And I want you to, again, encapsulate the stuff that the mental aspect of what you spoke about is so vitally important. I mean, you had amazing amounts of nuggets that you shared with us, but I want you to go back to that mental aspect where you said you make your mind up and then internally you decide the direction that you want to take your life in and you put in the work and that brings the results. All right. I'll give you a way to do that. How's that? Sure. Here's how you build your low self-esteem up. Okay. Keep your word to you. For instance, I'm going to make, you don't make your bed in the morning. It's just a simple thing. You say to yourself, I'm going to make my bed tomorrow morning. And then the next morning you make your bed. All right. You set a goal and you accomplish that goal. So I'm going to make it tomorrow again and to do it again. And when you start keeping your word to yourself, Oh, I'm not going to eat that cake today. Or I'm not going to eat that bad food today. And you do it. You keep your word to yourself. And all of that is discipline. It's focus. It's purpose. And you build it on little things. Now, if you, if you go back and you relapse on it, okay, I'm going to start again. And you bang it up again. That's consistency. That's tenacity. Yeah. Okay. 
you're building up all these life skills and you can apply them anywhere. Now I tell addicts and alcoholics really simple stuff. If you go at your recovery, the way you went at your addiction, I guarantee you, you will be successful. You went to any lengths to destroy yourself. So go to any lengths to build yourself. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> that's really, really powerful. So folks, I want to remind us of the team for the year and the team is let God do more for all of 2024. Let me repeat that. Let God do more for all of 2024. And this is taken from the scripture for the year, Isaiah 43, 18, 19, King James Version. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall he not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord wants to do new things for us in the new year. The thought for the week. Let the joy of life permeate the beauty of our existence as we navigate the destiny of hope and courage without fail. So, is there another book in the making, John? Well, I was thinking, I, I got about three books and one I co-authored. And when they go to my website, John, the letter J, Giordano.com, they'll see the books. Uh, I was actually, what uh, we're doing is we're working on making my life story into a movie. Uh -huh. And I have, I don't know if you watch television, if you watch uh, Below Deck with Captain Sandy. It's a television show. It's a pretty popular show. Um, she's my producer. Okay. And we're looking to either do that or do a play about the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. Okay. To help motivate people, our society is totally debilitated. We're, 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 um, we became a total pill society. Our children today are not as strong as yesterday, I believe. I'm not saying all, but the percentages are out of whack. Um, we got to do something. We got to shine the light. And remember out there, if you're in a total dark room, if you light a match, that lit, that lit match can be seen everywhere in that room. <laughs> That's how powerful light is. Yeah. And that's how powerful prayer and a higher power are. Keep that's your faith. Right. Yeah. Do the work. You'll yeah. get the job done. Yeah. Wonderful. It's been an amazing program, a wonderful broadcast. I have learned so much just from listening to all the stuff that you have said, the simple stuff, the scientific stuff, the biological stuff. It all encompasses the information that we want to share with you guys with regards to breaking out of depression. And so our producer, I think he has just put up um, some information there with regards to how you can make contact with John and how you can check out his bio so that you can reach out to him with regards to his strengths, his points, his genre with regards to so much information, nuggets that you would have shared with us that can help us deal with depression, anxiety, burnout, and to understand how we can easily become, even as Christians, become addicted by certain things and struggle with them. And remember that we have to always think of ourselves as giving the Creator a return on the investment that He has made 
by putting us here. Our lives should be fruitful. And that is why we choose the team that we choose for 2024. Let God do more. Let him do more. Allow him to work more in your life. Let God do more for all of 2024. Take time out to read Isaiah 43, 18, 19, and you'll get the understanding. He's telling the nation of Israel, Isaiah, the prophet, that although God has done some amazing things for you in the past, brought you out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, brought you out of 70 years of exile in Babylon, there is something greater, and it has even started now. You're seeing the signs. But there's something so much greater that I want to do and will do for you that you may even forget what I did back with your ancestors coming out of Egypt. And that's what we must look at, the future, and focus on the greatness of God. See, here's the thing about it. The many times that we are challenged with things in life that cause us to sometimes wonder if God exists or if we are here for any particular purpose. When the challenges become much more heightened because of what is happening in the world, that is when God wants to shine through and show us what he's able and competent and willing to do in our lives. But then again, what it takes is a higher level of trust from the people who know how to trust God. And we have the opportunity and the ability to do that. So thank you so much, John. Thank you, Dexter. Thank you, Gracie. Everybody who's out there, we have come to the end of this amazing program. Remember again, the thought and the team as we go out. Thought for the week. Let the joy of life permeate the beauty of our existence as we navigate the destiny of hope and courage without fail. Want more for your life. Want more for your existence. Want more for your people. And be prepared to do more, to get more. Like John said, you got to be prepared to do the work. If you don't do the work, you won't get the results and be grateful for be grateful for what you do have not what you don't have that's right and i love what you said john if you're in a dark room and you light a matchstick <laughs> that light can be seen from a far distance by so many we just need little lights in this world to make a difference that's it right have to be big gigantic huge in the limelight just the small things that we do all right so this is Andy, along with my guest, John Giordano, saying so long, Godspeed, God bless. Until next episode of Breaking Out of Depression. Amen. Bye for now, guys. Take care. Amen. So be it. <laughs> Thank you, John. Hold on for Thanks. me.